Hi, this is Rico from Always the Critic Podcast. Just wanted to give a warning before you start listening to this episode. The movie that we are going to discuss does have content in terms of sexual assault, including rape. So there will be discussion about that. So I did want to warn our listeners about it before you began listening to the episode. Thank you so much for joining us. And now here is the episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. I had a productive weekend. I painted my front door black and that was like a whole fiasco slash saga. (laughs) (laughs) Still ongoing. Um, It looks amazing, but you know, if you know, you know. Yeah, Um, painting anything black is not the easiest thing in the world <laughs> i thought it was so simple i'm like <laughs> no 1-800 utah okay <laughs> uh my my weekend was uh, kind of busy but enjoying the company of my sister's boyfriend who's in town so we hung out and stuff like that yeah so, chipper's so much fun he is fun and he's a big movie buff and a you know big movie fan and he is dying to see the movie that we are about to talk about. Oh, okay. All right. But before we talk about that movie, this is if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars goes a long way for us. Come and check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on the Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Always Critic Pod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out the page on patreon.com slash always critic pod. Today, we are going to discuss the brand new movie from director Ridley Scott, and that is The Last Duel. Jessica, why don't you go ahead and tell us what is this movie about? King Charles VI declares the knight Jean de Carouges. The Carouge. Sorry to all the French people. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jean de Carouge settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. I do like how Letterbox does have something just above that description. They have the same description, but they add something on top that says the true story of a woman who defied a nation and made history. So at least they add something a little extra because this description does nothing to indicate what it truly is about. Like, I actually don't like how King Charles is the subject of the sentence. Like, yeah, this really doesn't have much to do with the anyway. Yes. Um. <laughs> so as as I said before, this movie is directed by Ridley Scott. If you don't know Ridley Scott, Ridley Scott is one of the most prolific directors in Hollywood. He has producers and producers as well. He has his own production company to go with it. Uh, This is the man responsible for such classics like Alien, uh, Blade Runner, Thelma Louise, Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, Prometheus, The Martian. And not only did he direct this movie, but next month. He will have another movie out, and that is The House of Gucci, which you and I are pretty excited about because it could be either really good or really bad. So uh, now 
Tell us the rest of the cast and everything that goes on with this movie, Jessica. Okay, so this movie was written by Nicole Holofcener. Mm-hmm. I think that's Holof how name. Oh, wow. I am the worst. Okay. Center, <laughs> 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 Along with Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, of course, the dynamic duo. It stars Matt Damon, stars Adam Driver, Ben Affleck, and Jodie Comer. Now, uh, box office and critics. Critics received it pretty well with an 87% score. Audiences were a little bit lower at 79%. The critics' consensus reads... The Last Duel's critique of systemic misogyny isn't as effective as it might have been, but it remains a well-acted and thought-provoking drama infused with epic grandeur. The audience consensus on the other side, if you don't mind its somewhat repetitive story structure, The Last Duel is an exciting, well-acted period drama that leaves you with plenty to think about. And box office-wise, not so great. Only $4.7 million domestically, which even now, that seems like a small number. It's very, yeah, it's sad. Very Eight, sad. $8.9 million around the world, worldwide. So not exactly a strong opening for this movie. It did open against Halloween Kills, which that's that was most likely the movie of the weekend. Um because horror movies, especially the Halloween franchise, do well. So going up against that was going to be a little bit tough sledding. But mm. I, I think that we made a better choice in watching this movie over that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by All the right. 50.4 for Halloween Kills opening weekend. Oh. It's, yeah, so yeah. it just hogged up all the... <laughs> yeah, hogged it all up. Wow, okay. So... Yeah, we're gonna watch. We're gonna be talking about a movie that not many people watched, but that's okay. That's not <laughs> a problem. <care. laughs> I think we really enjoyed this movie. So, Jessica, what are your thoughts on the last duel? I personally thought that it was gonna be great, right? Mm-hmm. And it was. Hey, <laughs> hey, <laughs> pretty pretty solid movie. I thought that the acting was superb. These are prestige actors acting in their own material Um, (laughs) so it was gonna be a good thing you know Matt Damon and Ben Affleck seem to have really good um they have some good odds you know when they come in to a movie together and I don't think Adam Driver can do anything wrong (laughs) at this point says uh the ultimate fan over here I'm such a huge fan of Adam Driver but I think that we should talk the most about Jodie Comer because I feel like she should be up for an Oscar maybe for this performance. I thought it was really, really good. Jodie Comer, for those who don't know who she is, she has appeared already in another movie this year in Free Guy, uh, which was obviously not the type of movie that we're talking about today. Um, that one's just a lot of nonsense, silly movie. This is definitely more an acting type of movie. It's a solid drama. It is a true drama. Uh, Most people know her from Killing Eve. That's how most people know her if they watch the TV show. But for general audiences who are starting to watch her in movies, this is a pretty good opening for her. uh, Being able to see her in a role like this. And... I think that her performance is very good. It's it's 
would I say that maybe it's an Oscar contender? It's possible. I don't know if it's that strong, but I think that she really holds her own and even in moments shines brighter in the movie than her Mm co-stars, which everyone brings like great energy to this especially ben affleck is bringing like a certain type of energy to this movie that is so it doesn't take much for me to believe that ben affleck is an asshole no (laughs) this role was spot on for him (laughs) it really is uh he plays a he's the cousin of the king right and he and he does have a squire he basically uh takes jacques legree who is adam driver under his wing as his own squire and they get up to shenanigans and debauchery together uh because of course being the cousin of the king has its perks being able to just do whatever you want pretty much i really want to go back to the critics consensus really yeah, fast because it says the this critique of systemic misogyny isn't as effective as it might have been mm. what the hell do you think that means so Okay, so the critique of systemic misogyny. So what I'm thinking is this movie does lay out that there's a woman who is accusing a man of raping her, Mm -hmm. right? And the way that the system in that time would not believe a woman. And you can draw parallels to the way, you know, women try to come out even today when they are uh, raped and they're accusing a man of it. There is a lot of, well, are you sure? Or, you know, is it really rape? And like a lot of questions are always asked of the woman, never of the actual accused. It's always of the victim. And there's this thing of victim shaming or victim blaming that we see even now in today's cases, which a lot of women don't come out to actually, you know, tell their story because they're afraid of this systemic mm-hmm. misogyny mm-hmm. that we have against women who come out against their acu- you know against the accused and so this movie kind of is showing a critique of that like this woman was raped we saw it on screen and we are seeing her being victimized you know by the men or the people who are in in charge of the case that's going so, on here yeah I just don't know why they feel like it's not that effective. I think it is. I think. Do they mean because in the wake of the Me Too movement and where we stand today in our mindset, this is like well-trodden ground? I don't know about that. But I will say this. If if critics were thinking that this should be a critique of the systemic misogyny, I don't think that's what this movie was intending to do. I think what the movie was intending to do, at least by my own interpretation, of course, is to show the systemic misogyny that was at that time that would cause a woman to be at the at the forefront of such a massive, you know, you know, issue of a massive moment where she is accusing a man of rape, but they don't. They don't really buy it. They don't believe her. They they find anything that they can to prove her wrong. But I don't think that the movie's trying to critique that system. It's just showing you how the system was at that time. 
And you can kind of draw parallels to how it kind of is still even today for women. Yeah, I just don't know why The Last Duel is apparently to critics not as effective as it might have been. That's that's a very strange phrasing to me. And I'd love to pick the brains of the people who put that together because it doesn't seem like where, where are they even coming from. Right. So that aside... We should definitely talk about Ridley Scott because yes. I feel like this is the perfect director for this story. And the reason why would be... The, the reason why is because he has a great track record of developing strong female characters. That is correct. We would not have Ellen Ripley without Ridley Scott. You know, Sigourney Weaver in Alien is one of the best female action heroes and female characters, period, in film. And we also have Thelma and Louise coming from the same guy, G.I. Jane. I feel like um, these other movies like Prometheus with, um, what's her name? Numi. Numi Rapace. Yes. And, and also Charlize. Like, and Charlize. In that yes. movie. Um, you have Robin Hood with Kate Blanchett. I know people go off about his rendition of Robin Hood, but Kate Blanchett's character stands out in that movie as something quite different from other Robin Hood stories. And Kingdom of Heaven, I remember <laughs> Ava Green. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That movie is something. Um, Gladiator, you know, the the caesar's daughter caesar's daughter yeah who oh my god i forgot her name i don't want to disrespect her but she's wonder woman's mom <laughs> oh uh that is i'm gonna find her <laughs> do you right know now. her name i don't know her anyway, off the top of my head she's but I'll so find her. powerful i remember watching gladiator as a kid and thinking she was so cool and powerful and you know she would make a man like stop in their tracks like you need to listen to what i'm saying connie nielsen Connie freaking Nielsen. Yes, Connie Nielsen. That's her. Um, I I just admire all of these movies and Blade Runner too, like that has female characters in it that are really memorable. And really Scott seems to relish the idea of women in control, women taking back their agency. And this movie does lead to that because um, I, I don't know if this is a spoiler saying that this movie is told from three different perspectives. I feel like it might be, but um, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. But what I will say, though, is that the movie does allow for Jodie Comer's character uh, to be able to, like you said, take agency over what is happening. Well, it's something is happening to her, but she is taking agency, trying to stand up for that and not letting mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. anything just bygones be bygones she is right she's attacking it head on which is not something that a lot of women would do in this particular time period so or even today or even today and you know even standing in the face of what are the consequences to if she's wrong or if she's lying no she's going to stand up for what she knows is true Mm -hmm. she she knows exactly what happened to her and she's not going to let it go and Mm -hmm. So that Ridley Scott is really good at developing strong leading ladies. And Jodie Comer is no exception to that. Uh, Adam Driver and Matt Damon. Uh, these two guys. Driver is great. I can't think of a performance where Driver is not good. 
You know, I think in just about everything right. he's done, he is good. He's he's great in just about everything. Damon, this is I like his performance. I like his okay. performance. Okay. I don't think it's a bad performance. Um, but what I did find interesting throughout this entire thing is that I didn't expect it to be that we would kind of see variations of their own character as the movie went along. We'll discuss mm-hmm. more about that in spoilers. Yes, I think this movie is a m- much about machismo, male ego, and fragile masculinity mm. as much as it is about um, female agency and um, justice. Yes, I agree. So now before we get into spoilers, did you have any thoughts on anything else before? What's up with the accents in this movie? Okay, Thank you. So (laughs) this is my opening. Okay, so this movie is set in 14th century France. Mm -hmm. But the only people with accents are Comer as Marguerite. Yeah. And that's just about it. And accent is a British accent. Yeah, she has like a British accent. You know, Adam, Ben, Matt all have an American accent. Pretty much. There was one of them had a wife that clearly had a French accent when speaking. And I was like, oh, they got a French woman they got a to French. play a French woman. It was, I think they should have just picked one accent. And maybe the American accent just doesn't serve. It doesn't serve the time period. <laughs> the time period. You know, they're wearing the long locks. They have estates that they're living in they're in the dirt they're grimy they're at war they're at court it's like what what is an american accent doing in 14th century france that's the thing that i kept questioning throughout the movie especially with damon because (laughs) especially with damon because damon would be like talking and i'm just like this man is supposed to be you know a loyal soldier in in france in france in 14th century france yeah. And this man is talking like a normal American dude. You know? I don't know what to say. I don't know why. Also, another thing. Oh. I noticed that the movie had a lot it felt like modern day parlance. So like they would Okay, so I don't know if this was something that they were using in the 14th century, but like when Matt Damon at one point says, "It's because I'm broke." Like I'm like Wait a minute. <laughs> did they say I am broke in 14th century France? Right. Did they say that in 14th century France? I understand fact? completely what you're saying. Or there's a conversation with Marguerite when, you know, when we see her and mm-hmm. she's talking to like one of her like helpers and mm-hmm. they're talking about dresses and like you can see and they're talking about how the queen may have pierced nipples and i'm like wait i'm sorry is that a thing that happened during that time <laughs> i wasn't surprised about the pierced nipples, maybe to be quite you weren't you. but like it just caught me off guard because it just feels like such modern day type of either conversation or just uh vernacular yeah, that it just yeah. kind of threw me off that. for a second i agree with that so for sure so it's a little maybe there should like have that. been more these and those or something yeah there was none of that <laughs> no there was none of that do you want to talk about the cinematography real fast? So this movie is very gray. Blue, gray. Blue, gray. But 
I've seen set photos from when they were filming, and it's like bright as day can be. <laughs> but this movie treats it like, you know, it's about to be a torrential downpour that the rain hasn't started yet. It's just right. that gloom that is just hanging throughout the entire time. I don't know if I like that, to be honest with you. I think it's a little too much. I think it's too much. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, show a blue sky here and there. Yeah. You know? Show a blue sky. Can the trees be green? You know. No. Um, instead of like this faded, <laughs> faded <laughs> coloring throughout the entire thing. But yeah, I, I don't know what was the idea from the director of photography, you know, to do it that way. But I guess it's a way of, you know, trying to keep it. I guess looking somewhat historical in a way they kind of draw a little bit from game of Thrones slightly in terms of, especially indoor settings, like Mm. the, the way it's lit, the way it's, you know, shot, uh, has this look that it's like inside a tavern from game of Thrones. So if you've seen that, you'll kind of see the similarities between the two movies in terms of coloring that way. Uh, so yeah, the cinematography is weird. I would say it's it's a, it's too heavy handed. After the first thirty minutes, I was like, okay, like come on. come on, she's wearing a yellow dress and it doesn't look yellow, yeah, right? Exactly. So stuff like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. anything else you want to say before we get into spoilers? No, I think we should get into spoilers. All right, let's get into spoilers for the last duel right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's go ahead and talk about spoilers for The Last Duel. So I I mentioned before that this movie is told from three different perspectives. and That's right. We got it through chapter titles. Like you hate this. Okay. I know you hate this. This is a this is a pet peeve. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast. No, you before, haven't. But this is a huge pet peeve of mine is when a movie is split into chapters and the <laughs> the card comes up like part one, part two. Like it's just like <laughs> I hate it. I hate when like it's chapter one, chapter two, part one, part two, whatever. It's um like nails on chalkboard to me so as soon as it came up you just started giggling i started (laughs) laughing because one of these days if i were to ever make a movie just for the (laughs) hell of it i'm just gonna put chapter one jessica's pet beef no and you're not like there's not gonna be a single person named jessica in the movie it's just gonna be like yes just for an (laughs) insider joke deep inside so Okay, so the first chapter is told from the perspective of Jean de Carouge, Matt Damon's character. Uh, so his obviously is showing him as a very noble knight. Oh, yeah. He is showing that he is loyal to France, that he'll do anything and that, you know, he... He wasn't to blame for that, like, fiasco of a war, or sorry, battle at the beginning of the movie. Right. It was Adam Driver that was like gung ho about giving up their high ground or position on this bridge, whatever. He's also very um, loving toward Jodie Comer's yes. Marguerite. He wasn't um, 
interested really in her dowry or in the property that he would acquire. He was enchanted by her in his perspective. Yes. This is all very nice. Which is very nice. And I, you know what? I almost fell for it. Did you fall for it a little bit? Um, Matt Damon's especially. Early on, I was like, huh, like this, he seems like a very nice guy. This is right, not bad. Right, right, right. But as it went on, I was just like, hmm, he seems a little too nice. Yes. And then I. He's all for reconciliation. Yes, he is. With Adam Driver because they have um, all of this dick swinging that's happening (laughs) in both of their stories where it seems like Adam Driver is encroaching upon Matt Damon's stuff, his property, his position. And uh, he basically has the ear of Ben Affleck. Yes. And Matt Damon's the odd one out. Pretty much. Which is fine, except we get to Adam Driver's perspective right after Matt Damon's perspective. And everything is completely flipped. People have different lines. Lines that you thought Matt Damon had, Adam Driver has, vice versa. It's hysterical. Like, I found it funny. Yeah, because there are moments where uh, the characters come together to interact and in mm-hmm. Matt Damon's story, Matt Damon is the one that says the line. Yeah. Then it's <laughs> then it's Adam Driver who says the line in his version. And uh-huh. then in Jodie Comer's, it's a third person completely. Right. Different person that says the line. So <laughs> yeah. it, it's very interesting how people remember their own narratives. Or they spin the narrative so they are more positive and have... Look the best. Because at the end of the day, the three chapters are the truth according to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the character name. Right. And so uh, we start with Jean de Carouge. Then we go to Jacques Legree, who is Adam Driver. I will say one thing in Matt Damon's is that when Jodie Comer tells him that she was raped, he's very nice to her. Yes. And is like, oh, my darling, my beloved, whatever. And makes it seem like he would stop at nothing to, you know, to make get sure justice. get justice for the fact yeah. that she, my wife, was raped. Yeah, and right. this justice needs to be served. But in the third story, which is Ooh. Marguerite's, Ooh. yes, Marguerite shows it as when he finds out, he basically asks her, "Did you ask for it?" Pretty much, like right. He kind of insinuates, like. Well, did did you lead him on? Mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. and then he gets furious with her, and like yeah. starts almost and says like, and says is uh, I forgot the line, but he's basically like, how could he still be doing this to me? Yes, exactly. How can he still be? Because what we see from uh, Legree and Marguerite's perspectives is that Matt Damon's Jean is just like. A temper, yeah, unpopular, throwing temper tantrums for not getting any respect that he feels that he deserves. Um, Like, for example, in Legree's story, when he comes back from the war and (laughs) he's been knighted and after a couple of times. Oh, my God. But even when he gets knighted, this was in uh, Matt Damon's story. Sorry. Jean's story. Yeah. Is 
the night before him gets knighted, everyone's cheering and celebrating that this yep. knight was just bestowed the knighthood. And he tells everyone to shut up. Yes. So that he can have his moment too. Exactly. And nobody and when he cheers. gets knighted, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> but th- that leads me to later when we see Jacques' version of that story and John comes back from the war. Um, he's been referenced to- The disastrous to, war Yeah, the disastrous war that in Scotland. That campaign was like <laughs> stupid. And, but John is like, that has been twice that you have referred to me and not called me sir. There will not be a third. Like he comes at him like, you better respect me and <laughs> respect. call me sir. And then like Jacques is like needling him with it. Just like, I will, good sir. And just like sarcastically yeah. throwing in the sir. Uh, but yeah, I do appreciate how this movie allows for the third. Three di- or four, di- well, three different actors because Ben Affleck is the same in, every- in each storyline. Uh, but the three <laughs> actors kind of get chances to, you know, show off a little bit of range because you nuance have nuance in each yeah. chapter of the story. Matt Damon in the first story is the loving, kind husband who is a worthwhile knight who will do nothing but for honor and for country and for his wife. In the second story, he's a little conniving pain in the ass um, who wants to get his way and wants the acknowledgement all for himself. And then in the third one, he is a downright disrespectful husband who almost cruel, almost cruel, who feels like the world is against him and it doesn't matter about anything else around him. He feels that everyone is after him and he. Damon gets to show off the acting with all with those three different things. Yeah. Uh, Comer, I feel, doesn't. Well, what happens with Comer's character, Marguerite, I feel like in the first two stories, she feels somewhat the same. It's the third story, her own story, where we get to see it's her own agency. It's because she's not the main character in exactly. their stories. She's not. You know? She is a byproduct. Yes. In those first she's two. She's just periphery really yes. in their stories because at the end of the day the movie does center around a duel between the two of them so for them it's ha- getting to the duel right we got to the duel because there's beef between them it's been years in the making but the real catalyst for the duel is the fact that Jacques rapes Jean's wife Marguerite Jean is away. Um, he went to Paris to get paid for the to collect money <laughs> for the very disastrous campaign in Scotland. Uh, but while he's away, that's when Jacques comes in. Now, this is what I wanted to talk to you about. So, this is obviously the tough part for people. We're going to be discussing the moment where uh, Jacques, Adam Driver's character, does rape Marguerite. Now, this is very interesting. So the Adam Driver version yes, of the rape. This is what I wanted to talk about. I don't know what to say. It's very, I mean, it's clearly rape. It's clearly still rape. Yeah. But you saw earlier in his story where they were having this night of debauchery and he was 
um, manhandling this woman who was protesting and saying, like, no, 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 but more in a playful manner is right. what he perceived it as. Exactly. And he, like, throws her down on the bed and starts, like, having sex with her. And these other women who are in the room hold her down on the bed. Yes. And it's perceived as, like, this erotic, like, look at this, you know, night that we're having all these women want to have sex with us. And I'm su- I'm such a stud, you know. Right. That's his perspective. Yeah, that's his perspective. And that you can clearly see that when they show the rape, they are drawing compare. Jack is is thinking of it in the same terms as that night. He is that wild night that he had. Oh, don't make you me know? chase you because like there's right. like a table, so like oh, you know, running after yes. the girl. You know, chasing her, make he, she's making him work for it, type of thing, right? Versus she's in fear of her life, <laughs> right? Exactly. Um, he like completely doesn't see even the the way that he thinks of it is wrong. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. He perceives even if it. she was more supple, she was more playful. She was still 100. percent You see in the performance that she, it's rape. Like there was no consent. There was nothing. No. It. And so it was un- extremely uncomfortable to watch. And um, I mean, it was just terrible. And so m- in the back of my mind, I'm like, when Jody comes in with her story, it's going to be awful. Oh, yeah. Because the real story is like going to be 10 times worse than what we just saw. And that's exactly what happened. It's worse. It's way worse. I was I was surprised that we had to go through the scene twice. Mm. Um, only because usually with a subject matter like rape, sexual assault, we'll see it one time and that is it. But the movie does go through a painstakingly lead up. Reenactment. Yes. Or I don't want to say well, reenactment. It's done but differently. But two interpretations know. of the yes. moment. They mm-hmm. build it up like they start from the moment where he walks into their home mm-hmm. and in his version of the story, you know, he's suave and debonair and, you know, like he confesses, confesses his love to her. And then right. she gracefully takes off her shoes before ascending the stairs and like it's very much a, a male fantasy. Yeah. But when we see from her perspective he is like this almost jokingly, oh, I love you. Like he's like trying to like do he's a say joke. anything that he can yeah. to get with her. And then right. she starts running from him and mm-hmm. her shoes fall off. They She doesn't take them off. They fall off while she's running up the stairs. And, you know, and then he forces screaming. himself. Yeah, she's screaming. Screaming no, screaming no. Screaming for the servants or whoever else was supposed to be in the house. It was awful. I mean, uh, one of the worst. Like, it reminded me of, um, this is terrible, but the rape scene in um, that Netflix show. The Netflix show? Uh, 13 Reasons Why. Oh, I never saw it. Okay. So it was almost to the point of gratuity. Mm, I see. I felt... Where they did, and like you said, you didn't expect them to show it twice, much less the entire thing, how it was. Yeah. You know, I'm of the opinion that we don't need rape scenes in movies anymore. No, I don't think we do. Personally, we I think you can get across 
rape without showing the action. Right. You can sh- you can insinuate it. Like, for example, you could have, you know, have him shut the door close. And then, you know, from the perspective of being outside the door, you hear her screaming, no, the no, the, the commotion. And that would be enough. Um, I wonder if this is just maybe this is why they they're they or at least the directors and the writers they want you to know that there's no doubt mm. that this was rape. Mm-hmm. Not that it could be insinuated that it's rape or maybe you know it's a he said she said no no no. We're going to allow you to see what happened from two different perspectives. And as an audience member, it's pretty damn obvious what happened here. Mm-hmm. So they want yeah. you to not have a shadow of a doubt that she was lying. That's what the movie is really indicating here. And truly, I thought that in watching the trailers, they weren't going to show the rape and that it was going to be the a he big said. area. A yeah. Big he said, she said, areas of gray. We don't know if she's telling the truth. So that's why when we get to the trial later, when Matt Damon accuses Jacques of being, you know, of adultery and of rape against his wife. It's so frustrating seeing these men of the jury and the council and everything go after her mm-hmm. and saying like, well, you know, did you did you invite him in? Did you do this? Did you find him attractive? Mm-hmm. Like that mm-hmm. was like a question that put into question whether or not she was raped. You know, mm-hmm. like if you found him attractive, found them attractive before. Yeah. yeah. And then like it gets into like the oh, it's such a devastating thing where they talk about, well, did you enjoy it? Because we see that you're pregnant right now. And you're saying that this happened six months ago, and it looks like mm-hmm. you're six months. So if you're saying that he raped you and you didn't enjoy it, then you wouldn't be pregnant right now. Right, because... You can only get <laughs> pregnant wo- yes. when you enjoy the sex. Right. A woman can only get pregnant when um, she orgasms as well. Right. And then they go, it's science. Yeah. I, oh <laughs> Do you remember that line? Yes. One guy's like, it's science. And I was like, get the fuck out. <laughs> get out of here, bro. Yeah. So they say it's that. It's so medieval. And I mean, it's frustrating to watch because you are sitting in 2021 and you're just like, "Did is this for real? Like, can they really be this dull? Yeah. And unfortunately, they can. You have or to see could. her tearfully tearfully tell them no she didn't enjoy it and yes she does enjoy sex with her husband which we which already you know clearly she see clearly does not that was a whole nother thing yeah was every time she was having sex with matt damon it looked painful she looked like she could not believe like why it was happening this way she was like it looked painful it looked like she was uncomfortable and that's like the least the way that i could put it it was just uncomfortable is one way and she did look like she was in pain while 
She well, looked like she was in pain, and I'm like, oh my god! And then she has to sit there and lie, saying that she, yeah, I enjoyed of it. Of course, enjoys yeah, sex with her husband. It was great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that sucked for her. I, it totally sucks for her. Um, you know something about you know what I I completely forgot going into the movie is that I forgot that it was rated R going into the movie. Oh. I don't know why. I forgot it. So it kind of stunned me right from the very beginning when we see the the war scene, the battle scene at the beginning, and you see like blood carnage. just start, yeah, the carnage. And I was like, oh, that's right, this movie's rated R. So <laughs> it, it kind of took me a second to adjust. Um, I think he likes starting movies with a big battle. I mean, he's done it with a couple of other of his movies for sure. So yeah, he you could definitely say he does like the battles. And we're talking about Ridley Scott, of course. What do you feel? How do you feel about the action scenes that were in this movie? There was there was we some skipped them entirely. Yeah, we could have. There was some and not bad, but a lot of it because of the fact that it's so gray throughout this movie. Like it's hard <laughs> to kind of notice who is who at times. Yeah. So that yeah. that was a that was a problem. But again, the movie didn't need it only because of the subject matter of what we're dealing with. We're dealing with two people who are at odds with each other with a woman in the middle but really the woman is the main story she it's it's about her it's about this happened to me not so to one, matt damon who no, he feels like he's wrong me most, yes that was mind-blowing and then also when um jock is talking with his lawyer and the lawyer says you, you know it doesn't really matter that you raped her what the thing is with the law is it's a property issue. Right. Because she's his property. Exactly. And Which, you fucked with his property. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, and that was, you know, as a woman sitting in the audience, that was like a gut wrenching to me. Yeah. Because that's, that's how it was back in that time where women just were considered so, the way property. that he said it and just, ugh, I was like. I was shocked. Yeah, it, 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 it's a sad reality of how life used to be. We're yeah. Obviously, we're not where we fully want to be, but we're way better than that. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> um, I do want to talk about really quick back with she's pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So my sister wanted me to say this. And she was married to... John for five years and never got pregnant. Never got pregnant. And then six months after the rape, she's sitting there pregnant in the trial. Pretty damn obvious. Clearly that's Adam Driver's baby. Yeah. However, John also says he never had this problem with his first wife. That's true. So Becky said it's clear. Clearly his first wife had an affair. Or was raped as well. Ooh. And the child was a child of rape. Or, oh. you know, some other dude. So it could be an affair or rape in that case too. Oh, man. So so it could be very possible that Sir Jean de Carouge was impotent. Infertile. Yeah. Oh, I said infertile. You, you said, said infertile. Yeah. I said impotent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's very possible that he yeah. just couldn't have kids. Yeah. And that's why. He was bamboozled in the first one. He was bamboozled in the first one. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's. Cl- I mean, I mean that's what. What is he doing in the bedroom? Obviously, c- 
causing pain to his pain <laughs> to his sexual partner. Discomfort. Oof. Yeah, because each time it was just like you see the look on her face is like, ooh, she hates this. Oh my she hates gosh. what's happening. Here. Get him away. Oof. Yeah. Okay, so that so, yeah. was one thing. I want to go to Jean as well, which is Matt Damon's character, because in the first two stories, he says that he's broke. He has no money. His mm-hmm. only way of, of making money is to go on these campaigns and basically be paid as a warrior. Exactly. By the state. Yeah. However, in Jodie Comer's Marguerite storyline, she is clearly like, what, where's the rent money from all the people that live on your land? And all of the all of the peasants and people that live on the land are like he never collect he doesn't collect the rent. Yeah. So imagine I'm I mean you know it's a little different back then but if you own a building today, and you never collect rent from anybody who lives in your building, yeah, you'd be freaking broke. Yeah, you would be broke. You'd be broke. How would you explain? And that's exactly that what he was him. doing. Is it so to me, it is a lot about um, the his idea of what it means to earn and be a man. Right. He wants. His ultimate goal was to be the captain of that fiefdom or whatever that his father had. And it was a stronghold that needed a heavy hand. It was apparently, you know, it could be. sieged at any point and so he was apparently more interested in that job taking that over from his dad after the dad passed than actually being a landowner yeah and working the land honestly like she's like we have to plant the fields are you know we have to harvest it it was like he had no interest in agriculture working the land having an honest living he was all about swords and sandals and you know fighting in these campaigns and being a man and being a knight and it's like he's an idiot <laughs> so marguerite in in marguerite's story when after the trial is ended and they're gonna go to duel when he confronts her it's like i'm doing this for you and marguerite says no you're risking my life for your pride mm-hmm. he is so concerned about the way he is viewed Yes. He wants to be viewed and respected as a knight, as someone who has tales told about him, you know? As a fighter, as he a, wants to be yeah. a little more legendary than just collecting rent on his He's not interested in he that. Mm-hmm. He wants to be viewed as someone important. That's That's his biggest thing. And because he's not getting it from the people that he wants to get it from, he feels slighted and he feels like he's being done poorly by mm. these people. When in reality, if he would actually do the things that he was supposed to do, like yeah, collect rent. he wasn't rent, diligent in even the little things. No, then he would actually get he respect. Wants to, yeah, let alone he wants to take over as like this highfalutin captain, like... Which brings me you to... You haven't even earned it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Which brings me to the disrespect specifically from one character, and that is Ben Affleck's character of Pierre. Mm. Pierre... Okay, so first, Ben Affleck. His performance in this movie is <laughs> is something else, man. 
Because this man is dialed up to 11. Yes. This man is having a lot of fun on this set. Yeah. Just doing and saying like Jesus incredible lines. It's hilarious. <laughs> but at the same time, within the context of the story, he does not respect Jean at all. Because yeah. he views what type of man Jean is. And yeah. so even though Pierre comes from privileged background, he knows that Jean is just an imitator he is almost an imposter in terms of what type of man he is instead of being a man who can care for his own land and be able to take care of anything that is happening instead of all that he views him as oh this man is just in it for fame and for money and I don't respect this man at all. Yeah, he thinks he's a fool. Yes, he it, exactly. He believes him to be a fool. Like he Pierre is not fooled by this man. Right. This man <laughs> knows what Jean is after. Jean is just after fame and glory. And that mm. that is it. And he wants to be given accolades for things, even if he doesn't do them well, like the campaign in Scotland. So mm. he has no respect for him. He has nothing. So that's one side of, of the tale. And then the other side is uh, Pierre and Jacques' um, relationship between the two of them. Uh, Jacques, obviously. Yeah, pretty much. They are. They <laughs> they get together in some orgies. And, you know, who knows what happens? Because I've, we don't see much of the orgies. Like, we see, like, the very beginning, like, oh, all these ladies are there. And then... You know, Affleck and Driver like kind of jump in and, you know, they don't show anything else. But we do get a sense that there's more to them, you know, being together than truly meets the eye. So and then on top of that, Jacques kind of helps him out, you know, with his with his finances, with collecting rent. It kind of reminded me of. um, Oh, my God, that that biblical story. Of Joseph. Oh, yes. And his master and him being educated and, um, you know, helping out in Potiphar's house more than just a, a, ma- a menial labor slave would. Yeah. And that it, it just kind of reminded me of, of that story because Adam Driver's jock is, uh, he's literate, which is like a huge deal. That's a huge um, deal back then. And... Jean is not. He's illiterate. He's illiterate. Yeah. It's a huge difference between them. And I'm sure that contributes to Jean not wanting to collect rent payments, deal with the business side of owning property because he's illiterate. He cannot like they tell him to sign his signature to collect the money. And he like does like some scribble there. Like it's not even legible (laughs) yeah (laughs) you're right about that it's not even legible uh so yeah ben affleck's pierre really you know needs his services adam driver's brain his intellect and then also he's fun to be around yes exactly he knows how to party jean doesn't know how to party no jean jean is a stick in the mud yeah in in a lot (laughs) of stuff uh so 
now we get to the final duel, pretty much. Okay, no, because in okay. no, because in Marguerite's story, she goes into detail about the horses that Jean kept on the property and how he Ooh, wanted yeah. to breed this beautiful white mare who's came from a line of like war horses and they make it a point of showing this um stallion this black stallion come racing out and mounts the mare because she's in season which i don't think i've ever seen that like i've you know i'm a pretty big fan of like nat geo and like discovery channel and shit and like i I feel like i've not seen that before yeah but i don't know if you know anything about horses but that happens in in like nature. Like you don't do it. You don't have um, horses. I'm not saying this right, but basically, if a mare is in season, you have to separate her from the nearby males because it's like a frenzy, right? Because they'll all ex- try to mate with her, right? And that's exactly what happened here. Yeah. And he, I don't know how they didn't got away with this because it looked like he was really beating that stallion. It really did. They did a very good job of putting I that I was off. like, oh my God. And how did they get like a horse penis? Like, I'm, I'm shocked. I don't know. Very good job. It looked so real. It did you know look what I'm real. Saying? It did look real. I was it like, it did that? look like a horse was mounting the, the, mare. the mare. It yeah. did look like it. So, yeah. And so that was shocking, just like how that is that real? Yeah, exactly. But that know. leads to something that happens later on. Yes. Which because I do she like. is, I mean, it's kind of hitting it on the nose that she is the mayor, Marguerite. Yeah. Is the prized mayor that he won't let out of the pen. He won't let her roam. He won't give her freedom. Even though, like the handler said, it's good for the mayor to be out, to be about, to be in the field, to be interacting with other horses. She needs space. She can't be cooped up. And that's exactly what... Marguerite needs as well because she's yep. confined to the grounds. And uh, Jean is so concerned with the mare being inside of the pen that when the pen door is open, the stallion is able to just run in. But he's more concerned about the the stallion mm-hmm. breaking in and just, you know, having its way versus allowing the mare to do because if she gets pregnant to. then his chances of breeding um like a purebred you know war horse or whatever right are out the window like exactly. that's not that's not the the one for the mare no that's not for the one exactly so it was just impresionante and i was like oh my gosh this is so i felt like it was deep but also really simple <laughs> yeah because the the connection between the two does you know, really cement itself. It drives but, home like her position. Yeah. But you know, also. She's li- there to be mated with. At the end. And though, have little babies. Yeah. At the end, though, it, it, I think there's a little bit more of a symbolism that you pointed out. Oh, my gosh. Yes. yes. So we arrived. So let's talk to the about duel. The, fi- the last duel. <laughs> the last duel. So is Jacques versus Jean. Jacques has been accused of adultery and rape, and they are going to let God decide by having a duel. <laughs> and so, who and the punishment for not only, well, obviously, one of those two men is going to die. Yes. So that's punishment enough for the men. But then, if Jean dies, that means that 
Marguerite was lying. She was lying. Yeah. And she will be burned at the stake. But this for being is a liar. okay. So we didn't we didn't talk about this, but she is not told the consequences of her being proven a liar until the trial. So it's been a good six months of the community rallying around this and her husband um, trying his best to get this into court. Yep. He never once, he knew what his consequences were, but he never once told her what would happen to her. That's true. She finds out about it there. She finds out about it there. And they threaten her with it, basically. Hey, like, if you're if you're lying, you're going to be burned at the stake. Burned at the stake. Not not just like guillotined. You're going to be burned at the stake. And then they make it a point of saying it takes a good twenty minutes before you know you're actually dead. You're actually dead. Yeah, like they really want her to think about it. Like, are you sure you're and not it's, lying? It's powerful that she says. I, I, you know, no, I tell, I'm telling the truth. Yeah. Even with that hanging over her in which, that moment. Yeah. Which is, man, that sucks. It sucks. It really does suck. <laughs> but it's powerful, you know? It is. And so. She, she has these conversations with the other women in her life and it's, uh, it's, it's terrible. Like I just, it leaves me with a icky feeling that all of these women don't rally behind her. especially her own best friend her Her own best friend blames her her own best friend is like well you did doesn't believe that she was right she's the one that was like but you thought he was hot yeah so why should the issue yeah so what's the issue (laughs) so why why are you saying that he raped you 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 thought he was attractive like that's enough you know to dissuade you from saying that he raped you right and then jean's mom her mother-in-law. Right. Who's a total bitch. Terrible. But She's she awful. says, I was raped too. And did I go complaining? No. I I didn't like force the issue and possibly lose my life about uh, regarding this. Right. I stayed alive. And Jody's like, you paid a dear price for living. Yeah. Which is such a, again. Yeah, again. It hits me right in, the, hits, right yeah. in the feels because the fact that it's so pervasive, every woman has basically been raped and they don't do anything about it because they want to live. Yeah. And for them, that's enough. Living is enough. Which sucks. That sucks. It, it's it's frustrating. Again, it's very frustrating to watch. But, you know, we come to the last duel. We do. Mano a mano. They're in the muck. Yeah. They're in the muck. First, they joust. They joust. He is w- riding the white mare. John mm-hmm. is. Yeah. And as the fight goes along, they joust a couple of times. Then, you know, eventually the fighting becomes, uh, you know, sword to sword on 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 foot and then it becomes hand to hand although mm-hmm. they're wearing you know gear and everything and yeah mesh and all that armor. so 
finally, this is the most impressionable moment. But to the me. mayor dies. The mayor dies. The mayor dies during He's that. Skewered. Yes, by Adam Driver Jacques. Or he like cuts right through it. Mm-hmm. This is the biggest moment for me. Dur- when Jean has Jacques pinned down, mm-hmm. and he's confess, confess, like he's. Yeah. If you won't confess, just confess to me. Mm-hmm. And he said, "I did not do it. I did not do it." And like he just completely says, "I didn't do it." Right. Still will not admit guilt. Will not the admit guilt. Sword. No, will not admit it. And this is where we really see who Jean is because Jean decides to just take him out because somebody has to die. Mm -hmm. You can't just like give up. Well, he confessed like he didn't Mm -hmm. really do it. No. So he kills uh, Jacques. Brutal. Brutal. Stabs him right through the mouth mouth. into the back of his head. And then like he's still kind of writhing and he like is biting the blade. Yep. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's a pretty vicious way of dying. Oh, my Lanta. Okay. And then Jean obviously feels like a conqueror. Triumphant. But doesn't really care that it was because of his wife who's standing or sitting up. On the pyre. On the pyre. Ready to get. Ready to get lit up. And then finally it's like, your wife. Like, they have to remind him. Yeah, yeah, your like, wife. Like, hey, your wife. Turn and then around. he turns around and is like, yeah, okay, yeah. And like, come on down. And he gets on a black stallion after presumably, he rode in on a white one. Yeah, presumably the black stallion that tried to mount the mare. And for him, it's about the applause. It is about being recognized. He doesn't care that his wife just escaped with her own life Mm -hmm. because of a accusation that was true, but because she wasn't believed, you know, she was about to be burned. But for him, it's all about, look at all these people. I won. He thinks I won. In his head, he he says, I won. Yeah. Versus my wife is alive. She was right. I believe her. He rides ahead of her, greeting the people. The people are cheering him on in the in the middle of Paris. This is everything he's wanted. Mm-hmm. But it, it came at the price of his wife being raped, his wife having to go through a terrible trial of being accused of lying. And then on top of that, once he wins the fight, he forgets about her. After the win. Because at the end of the day, it wasn't about her. For In his eyes, it wasn't about her. It was about well, his, his pride. <laughs> it was about his pride. Yeah. It was about his standing. He was slighted. He was slighted. He was done wrong. And now he's he has won. He has the satisfaction. Terrible. And it's awful. And really, I feel like, and I told you this before regarding the white mare and the black stallion that he because he rides in on the mare and the mare dies mid-fight brutally and he rides off on the black stallion it really feels like he sides with the rapist 
Because yeah. in that moment where he's screaming at Adam Driver to tell the truth, to confess, to confess, and Adam Driver vehemently says that he never did it. There was never a rape. You can kind of see on his face that he believes him. You kind of do. And then he rides off on the black mare completely, like, doesn't give a shit about his wife. I I mean, it's just... It's par for the course, it feels like. Yeah, it is. It is. You know, of course he he doesn't feel like the duel was <laughs> in in service of keeping his wife alive. No. No, not of at all. Saving her life, of of providing a you know, this needed justice here. Because she was raped. No. It was more like he was raped. Yes. His property was taken. That field or whatever that he wanted was taken. His position, the captain position was taken from him. And now his wife was taken, damn it. Like, it's all about him. It's all about him. Overall, I thought this was a very good movie. I think the movie kind of floundered when it tried to do a little bit with the motherhood angle. Yes, at the end of the movie, you know, she gives birth right before the last duel and she has this dialogue here where she's like, had I known that I would feel this way about my child, this love that I have for my child, I would never have gone through with the whole trial and saying something about the rape. Right. Because Oof. how can I leave my child motherless? Yeah, that that's tough. That, it's tough, but it was so quick. I was like, oh, you kind of just wanted spend to enough linger. Time. Yeah, they didn't spend enough time on it. And that was a very profound thing to say. And this movie's already at two hours and 30 minutes. Mm. So they spend a lot of time rehashing the moments we've seen again from different perspectives. But they didn't do enough of showing maybe changes of heart, changes of mind. Mm-hmm. Especially that moment, like you're saying, like her questioning, even questioning, should I have done this? Mm-hmm. Whether I'm right or wrong, which she's clearly right, should I have done this? Mm-hmm. We don't see enough of that either, which I think would have been an interesting angle to include into the movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like her deciding, you know, I know that I'm right, but is it worth possibly losing my life for this or Mm -hmm. leaving my child motherless for Mm -hmm. this you know that would have been an interesting angle to see um i did like how the movie made it a point of showing the other women that are next to the men next to the powerful men yeah within the same frame and so especially during the trial i remember um and Pierre's wife is is in frame at some point as well when Pierre is talking about the situation. And one thing that's in common with all of these other, you know, side character women, even if they have no lines, is that they're super affected by this story, by her rape. Their expressions and their... They're like... Like you, you can, can tell. See, yeah, that they're extremely emotional about it that they feel like they have stakes 
in this trial and in her story. Because it's very possible that maybe even one or two or a few of them have gone through this situation. It's so likely that they have all gone through it. It's very true. And so to see her sit there and adamantly say that she was raped, that this is true, she's not lying, and I'm willing to die for it. You know, the queen is sitting next to the king who looks like a Nene Bobo sitting there, (laughs) you know, excited about this trial, excited about the prospect of a duel, and doesn't give a shit about, like, the circumstances or that a woman was raped brutally. No. His queen is sitting next to him and is just, like, stunned into silence, holds his hand, is very affected, you know. She's not sitting there lifeless or thinking that it's entertainment. Right. I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing on Ridley Scott to be like, you know what? Put her there. Sit. I want to see two different reactions and it looks like every man has the same reaction. <laughs> oh, we're going to get a fight. Yeah. That's pretty much the reaction. Mm-hmm. While every woman is like, oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. That is literally the, the face on every woman. Yeah. Every woman is just distraught with the proceedings. What, sh- what is being said, mm-hmm. what is being said to her. And just the astonishment that they have on their faces, like, wow, like mm-hmm. this is actually happening. And it's clear as day when you see Jacques and Pierre having their way with anybody who's in the building that this is such a double standard. Yes. Right. For the woman to get raped and it's. It's whatever. But if they commit adultery. Nothing. Seven times a day. It doesn't give a shit. <laughs> it's it's awful. It's yeah. awful. So, yeah, that. It's like the mayor. It's it's like the mayor. It's like the mayor. Yeah. Like they, the women can. It's like one dude. One stallion. And the stallions can. Roam the field. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That that I think that sums up exactly Ugh. how people thought it's of it. It's disgusting. That way. I yeah. think so much of this movie is disgusting and it's tough to watch. It's really hard. It is. It's a tough watch. Now, I don't think that takes away from the fact that it was well done, well written, well directed. So uh, did- I like that she gets a happy ending. Like in the True Hollywood fashion, we get the epilogue of what what happened to her after the last duel. And Jean, thankfully, dies a few years later in battle. And she lives a life of happiness and prosperity on this extensive property that she's left. She never remarries. Never remarries. And that's that. She gets to live. Yeah, she gets to live. She gets to you live know? her life with her child. Yeah. Some pretty, you know, pretty impressive stuff there. (laughs) Uh, Did you give the movie a score? I ended up giving it a four out of five. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So I think it's enjoyable. But again, uh, trigger warning. It's a tough it's a tough watch with multiple depictions of a rape scene. So just, you know, 
be careful on that one. Yeah. Uh, but. We kept saying estaba fuerte. Estaba fuerte. Yes. Yeah. So if this is your first time listening to us, thank you so much for checking out this episode. Uh, I would go ahead and tell you to go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. So you could scroll back and listen to some of our older episodes that we have released, of course. And then you can stay on top of new episodes that come out. If you want to go ahead and follow us on social media, we are at Always Critic Pod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can find us, write to us. Did you like the movie? Did you like the way it was structured? Are you a fan of Ridley Scott movies? Let us know at Always Critic Pod. Finally, if you've done all that, consider becoming a patron. For as little as $2 a month, you could support us in our endeavor on making this podcast, plus some of the extra content that we make for you guys, like we did K Rambles podcast not that long ago, which should be having a special episode somewhat soon. Yes. There is a certain show that is all the rave right now. So uh, we'll we'll get that episode up sometime soon, but just be on the lookout for that on your K Rambles podcast feed. So check out that podcast. So that is one of the many endeavors that you can help support on patreon.com slash always critic pot. So as for next week, we will be talking about Dune. Dune. <laughs> it's about time. Uh, that movie was the later year. And here we are. We are finally here. It has yeah. arrived. So Timothy. Timothy. <laughs> it's a stacked cast. So we are excited to talk about that movie. That'll be on the next episode. Until then, that has been this episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always a Critic Podcast.